0: It's the Potsuelo show on this week's Footy Talks podcast. It's been a week since the Spaniards incredible display at BMO Field and we will discuss what it means for the season going forward for Toronto FC. My name is Mitchell Tierney. As always, I will be your host as we also look at Toronto FC's game this weekend against the Chicago Fire, talk some young Reds as TFC2 gets set for their inaugural season in League One of the USL, and we'll talk about the CanPL kit launch as well on this week's show. To do all that, I have Charlie O'Connor-Clark of Waking the Red and recently of CanPL.ca as well joining me. Charlie, thanks for taking the time early on this uh, Friday morning.
1: Hey, thanks for
0: having me on. Uh well, let's uh, we won't talk about it too too much just because you know, like I said it has it, it was a week ago and um you know, a lot of other shows and venues and even our website has uh has dedicated plenty of time to it already, but Alejandro Potsuelo's debut, I mean, um uh, you're you're not supposed to cheer in the press box, but I'm pretty sure I, at least a couple <laughs> times I I made some audible uh uh, at least shocked sounds. Uh, I, th- I think you and I were talking on the on the chipped goal. I was uh, I like audibly said, yeah. "What the heck is he doing?" Because I, I figured he was trying to make like, <laughs> a back post uh, a back post cross, and there was no one really there. So yeah, it was uh, it, it was just an unbelievable debut, and uh, certainly I, I haven't heard BMO Field like that probably since uh, that Jonathan Osorio spinning back heel goal against uh, Tigres. Uh, I guess that was. Uh, a year ago now, so it, it's been a while since Bebo Field's been um, that uh, that alight. Certainly hasn't it?
1: Yeah, I mean, it definitely got a couple no ways out of me in the press box as well. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean that just has to be like the most confident thing I've seen in a long time to come into the lineup, and nobody like you've got a bunch of a bunch of fans. Annoyed that they don't know who you are. <laughs> he comes in and he immediately just ch- hit chips at Panenka and then scores that ridiculous goal that I still find it hard to believe that that's what he was trying to do. Because, <laughs> I mean, you have to be super confident to get out there mm-hmm. and just try and hit that one top corner. It was amazing. But yeah, I think it was a really different excitement in BMO field, if I can say that, than, like, the the CCL games. Like, those were more of, like, a pop, but this was kind of, people took a few seconds to be like, did that actually just happen? Yeah. It was kind of a, kind of a stunned reaction, then all of a sudden, the whole stadium kind of realized, like, my god, that was insane.
0: Yeah, I think uh, uh, yeah, definitely certain or a different set of or set of circumstances there. Obviously, uh, them coming off the the MLS Cup win towards the you know Champions League and this kind of uh, things have been so bad for so long, and uh, it was almost an excitement like coming back again, realizing that uh, you know this this team can still play uh, an incredible level of soccer, and this player certainly is going to help that, and um, you know him just coming in and, and going forward. I mean the the fit was pretty seamless, which is incredible for a new player, especially a new player that's so central to the team and so uh, I guess important in everything they they did moving forward. I mean, uh, even when a guy like Victor Vasquez first came in, you know, some of those incredible balls he played, he just couldn't pick up his runners, and we did see that a couple of times where Potswell would play a ball through and. Um, and you know a forward or, or one of the wingers wouldn't necessarily latch onto it that well, but uh him and Josie seem to have an instant connection and I know Josie always says you know playing with good players is easy and that that seemed to be the case i mean they, he was able to find him on multiple occasions. there's a couple that Josie maybe even should have scored um that, that would have made Pozuelo's debut even better but he just seems to be one of those players that makes everyone else around him better and, and you know he's certainly not the final piece to this Toronto C puzzle, but he's he's such a major one. And um, you know even even a guy like Osorio now is shifted back into his proper position. I think he's going to help him out a lot. Uh, I mean Vanny talked about how much he helps out the back line just because uh, you know you Ooh. have to respect him even more going forward. And uh, you know every everyone in behind him now uh, knows their role a little bit better and doesn't have to overcompensate. So uh, yeah, it's it, it's looking pretty bright. I mean, it is just one game, and it was against a New York City FC side that, you know, certainly didn't have their best performance, but it does look promising going forward for sure.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, all it's like you put that one guy in the lineup, and all of a sudden, every other position looks a little bit stronger. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, man. The, the, the major thing that stood out to me was, as you said, the immediate... Chemistry that he had going, like not just with Josie, but he he was playing well with the with the the or wing wingbacks, communicating with them. Um, Osorio, I mean, I know that he he would mentioned that off the field he'd already developed a pretty good relationship with Osorio because he's one of the Spanish-speaking players on the team. So that certainly helped. Um, and I think I think he actually like mentioned a few times how how Oso specifically was kind of big yeah. in helping him. Fit into the side and figure out the the tactics in the first week of training, um, and it really showed that he'd kind of paid a lot of attention in that that week and kind of figured out exactly what Greg Vanny was wanting. I mean, even though he was playing literally any position he wanted to, um, it's not like he was ever out of position. Mm-hmm. Um, so the whole the whole lineup just looked a lot more cohesive with him kind of in the middle pulling strings like that.
0: Yeah, we certainly haven't, uh, I guess, come to expect that from the number 10 at at BMO Fields, you know, of late, uh, and I feel like, for whatever reason, there's been a lot of, like, revisionist history about Sebastian Javinko. All of a sudden, Potsuelo <laughs> comes in and has a big game like this, and uh, everything that gets remembered about Javinko is, is kind of him not tracking back defensively and, and being a whiner, um, which is which is kind of funny and, and definitely cherry-picking for sure. But th- oh, yeah. there there certainly is a contrast between these two players, and that's one of the things that makes Potsuelo so exciting going forward in such a y um, you know, such a difficult player to defend is, is like you said, he he it will sell, all of a sudden just drop deep. I, I mean, wh- one of the plays of the game where I was really like, this guy is going to be beloved in Toronto, was a play where he lost the ball, and I don't think it was even necessarily his fault. I think someone made a, a bit of a bad run, but he, he booked it all the way back, and, uh, you know, with the help of Justin Morrow, I think, ended up recovering the
1: ball again. Um, yeah, I think that was the only time he was dispossessed in the game as well. Yeah,
0: yeah. So there you go. I mean, you know, just just so smart on the ball, um, and that's mm-hmm. going to make him so difficult for teams to defend because obviously, you know, you, you're not going to send your your center backs or, or your central midfielders unless you're who is it Chivas they played or. Who did they play last year? Yeah, I think it was Chivas in the, in the final that played like the total the football system and just like hunted players around the field. But they don't necessarily. Yeah. Uh, I don't think any MLS sides play that play that style. Um, but <laughs> but it also takes a, a smart midfield too, right? I mean, uh, if he's going to be doing that, you need guys to fill the gaps, and Delgado and Asorio uh, especially, I thought were were fantastic at that. I, again, I think this is going to be so beneficial for Asorio because if if Pozuelo dropping deep, then all of a sudden Osorio can kind of go into that you know forward space, and we, we saw that perfectly on that first goal. I mean, Pozuelo goes back, he he sends the ball forward to Osorio, who's now in the in the cam roll, and then Osorio just kind of waits for him to get back up, plays the pass back. Uh, I think that I think it's going to be you know as long as they can keep these same players on the field, uh, a pretty great midfield mix for Toronto FC. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you mentioned
1: that first goal. That was. Really impressive. Like I mean, I think Asari only had the ball on his feet for a couple of seconds, but he was in the perfect spot. And like kind of had engineered it so he put him in the perfect spot so he could tap it right back to uh to the path of Pozuelo. Um, even like the impact Pozuelo has on somebody like Michael Bradley, mm-hmm. who also I mean has traditionally been a guy who likes to cover a lot of ground, kind of further back. Um, if they're both doing that sort of thing, it kind kind of makes the, the attack a little bit more balanced. It's not just gonna be Michael Bradley going wherever he wants with nobody really to cover for him. Um, and I think we kind of saw that a couple times where like even even if Michael Bradley's trying to jump up a little bit, then Pozuelo doesn't seem to have a problem with kind of covering a little bit while Bradley kind of sucks tries to suck in some more of the opposing team's midfield and wait for Pozuelo to find some space.
0: Yeah, it it does seem like uh, I don't know. We we've seen it with Bradley, and he his engine just never shuts off. But you know, yeah. Pazuello coming off a uh, um, you know a long season with with Gank in the in the Belgian league, you know, you wonder how how many more performances like that can you have? And even that last yeah. goal he had with the the chip shot, I w- I wonder if he just like kind of ran out of energy. And he's like, I'm just shooting from here because he looked exhausted trying to book it up the uh, up the yeah. for for that goal. Um, but it really does seem like kind of the the buzz is back around Toronto FC. I mean, um, we've both kind of seen how they they've struggled a little bit to to move tickets this season with, um, you know, and Javinko departing. Uh, what's it gonna take? Because I think obviously that performance is is gonna help significantly, but Pozuelo is still not you know, the the recognizable name or brand that Sebastian Javinko certainly was, uh, do, do, what, what do you think it might take to, you know, kind of get more of those casuals back on board? Because certainly they lost a, a, at least a few of them this off season with with everything that went down.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think they're really on the right track. They just need to kind of show that they can do this consistently mm-hmm. and maybe against some of the some of the bigger teams in MLS, like if they, if they can beat like, uh, like they're playing Seattle at the end of the month, if they, they can win that game, then I think a lot of heads are going to start to turn. Cause that's again, a team that the casual fans are going to, to recognize having seen them here for, for two MLS cups. Now, I, I really think at this point that it's just a matter of convincing people that they are going to be a winning team this year. Um, kind of staying safely, very safely in that playoff hunt as, the, as we get towards the summer. Um, I, I think, I mean, obviously we think we're going to talk in a bit about some possible more TAM guys coming in, ideally soon, and I mean, that'll that'll certainly help, but I, re- I really think that part of the reason for tickets to decline was just last year was brutal, mm-hmm. and there wasn't a lot to cheer for, and then it seemed to get worse over the off-season as the club didn't really look like it had much of a plan to fix that. But now we're kind of reminded of, hey, this uh, this squad was actually really, really, really good not that long ago, um, and I think if we're if we're exposed to winning for a kind of consistent few weeks or months, then people are going to kind of remember that this is a team that's worthy of attention in the league.
0: Yeah, I guess if there's there's one concern remaining for Toronto FC, it is um, kind of centered around the depth. And you mentioned we will talk in a little bit about uh, some of the latest news on um, on some of their targets going forward, but. I mean you you look at uh, a guy like Aro who's questionable um reportedly for the match tomorrow uh, I mean if he can't play um, I suppose you you put Nick Delion back at right back which is I guess what we thought Nick Delion would be when he was initially signed before uh Vanny, you know said he would play further forward and he's done a fantastic job there but um at the same time, then who do you have play that kind of right wing role that he's he seems to be the only player on the team fully capable of doing? Uh, the, the, there's just one example, kind of you know, with Auro coming out of of the fact that this team still when when a couple of players come out of the lineup, um, they don't necessarily have full replacements for, and I think that's that's definitely something they'll be working on, and and something I think they're hoping that some of these Tronoff see. Um, academy and two youngsters will be able to to come up and and fill but um at, at the moment uh, you know it's you can still see where this team would uh, would struggle especially maybe through those summer months uh, when when a bunch of these players could be off at the gold cup um in in terms of the depth with with the side I think that's still perhaps the the biggest concern with Toronto FC going forward
1: Yeah for sure I mean you definitely have to think that's something that they need to address considering how injured they were last year. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of the spots in the lineup, you think like they get an injury there and they probably have to play a different formation or style. Um, like, yeah, as if our can play, I don't really think they've got anybody really in the, in the system on a on the bench that can play a wide role like that. So they'd probably have to, maybe put somebody like a Jay Chapman in but not necessarily play him as a as a like a right winger that they'd kind of been trying to get DeLeon to do for a little bit. But um yeah, I mean I think if they are looking at TAM signings, though they're obviously going to take away minutes from other people who have been more consistently in the starting eleven. And then once they're on the bench then that's that kind of fills out the depth a lot more. So I think they just need to as long as they're they're addressing the right spots, and they're kind of shifting good players down to toward the bench, and they they have good players that can come off the bench and make impact and start when when there's an injury, I think that I think it'll be okay. But again, like there are a lot of spots on this team where if an injury comes, and there are spots that for with players that have been injury prone, if you see an injury there, then that could be a pretty big issue down the stretch
0: yeah for sure uh, like I said I, that, that remains I mean I guess the back line too remains a, a question mark but uh, I think yeah. the depth is probably the biggest question mark with this team going forward this season but as I said Toronto C are looking to address that depth and that was kind of one of the criticisms of course of the the entire Pozzuolo signing saga was the fact that uh, you know spending so much time on this one player and this bringing in this one designated player and you know, early returns look like they've, they've done the right thing, but, uh, if, Definitely remains to to be seen fully, uh, wh- whether it was the right move. But that's kind of detracted them from from you know making some other signings and certainly some of those uh, TAM players they were going after. And um, uh, the the most recent reports, of course, are from from Christian Jack saying uh, that the team uh, or that Ali Curtis was down in Argentina uh, where he was looking at a number of different players, uh, including a midfielder and a defender. That that kind of seems to be y um, you know, the two spots, uh, as we mentioned, that the club could could use a, a couple reinforcements in uh, at, the, at the start of the year. I think everyone expected Toronto FC to just bring in pure wingers as their targeted uh, allocation money players just because uh, that, that seemed to be the, the thing that was fully missing from the system. Now you've got Deleone and, and maybe a bit of a different um, attacking setup in terms of what Justin Morrow does on the left too. So, so where would you strengthen this team, I guess, and and where do you think Allie Curtis should be looking?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, I think they uh, they definitely are going to need a defender to come in. I mean, I don't know if that's going to be a center back because already got a decent amount of money tied up. Except they've got three. Well, they would proclaim to have three center backs there that they think are going to be looking for minutes in more Mavinga and possibly Sima, mm-hmm. who I guess we'll see what happens with him if he's kind of able to shake off the rust. So I think if they are looking at a defender, I'm wondering if it might be, if it might be a, a, a right back as we, as we mentioned or a, something like that to maybe help get Aro in a slightly, slightly more advanced role, which he kind of likes to do. Um, but yeah, I, Greg Vanney's been talking for a while, basically since last season, about wanting to play a wider style of soccer, but doesn't really have the pieces to do that necessarily. Mm-hmm. So we've kind of known for a while that they're looking to bring in a Tam Winger. Um, and so I, the obvious answer is that that's going to be the number one priority, um, I would think, I don't know. I don't know necessarily which side. I think. I think it's probably going to be a a left winger uh, to keep Justin Morrow in his in his left back spot. Um, but I I really don't know. We haven't we haven't actually heard a lot of rumors or anything, which is kind of weird. Yeah. Um, considering we heard actually a few over the offseason, they all seem to die away pretty quickly. Um, so I mean, there's, they say that they've got. Or eyes on a, a few specific players, and there could be signing coming really, really soon. But it's impossible to say who that's going to be because we just haven't heard any names, really.
0: Yeah, almost always with with any of these things, uh, at least a couple of details will leak out. But yeah, it's been a it's been a bizarre radio silence, which leads me to think maybe you know they're not as I guess set on one player yet. Maybe they are now, but I feel like. Um, after the Putzuela thing kind of ended up, that that's when they really started to to look and try and maybe narrow down their options a little bit. But yeah, I agree. Probably a, um, a TAM left winger is that, that's been priority number one. I've thought the entire off season, I guess, other than bringing in the the designated player and and yeah, right back makes sense. I mean, I, I think they did expect to have Gregory Vanderveel uh, with the side this year, and you know him. I guess the the situation that happened with him um, kind of changed the the I guess I guess what they're looking at there and changed the the depth on that right side. So I think that definitely could be something they address, which uh, will be interesting to see what they what they do there and how those pieces fit into um, what was looking like a you know a, a pretty solid Toronto FC side and and one that's working well together. So. Uh, yeah definitely something to, to continue to watch as as Toronto gets off to this great start to the season um, let's talk about Toronto FC c2 a little bit they kick off their season today actually um, in their inaugural year in the um, in the USL or League one rather Um mm-hmm. I mean, I, I guess mostly what what, what we're interested here is, is the players that can develop into the first team and, and what this development tool looks like. Um, are there any players you're going to be having your eye on this season in terms of guys that could potentially uh, work their way up in in the future? And guys, you, 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 I guess, wonder what they'll look like in at this new level?
1: Um, I mean, obviously people are going to... Other on Jacob Schaffelberg, who has already played for the first team in that Concacaf Champions League, um, and he's only, only 19. Um, but there are kind of a few, a few faces that have been around TFC two set up for for a little bit now that are probably starting to kind of step into bigger roles. Of the team like your your Dante Campbells and Matt Serblis. Mm-hmm. um, those kinds of guys are. You kind of hope that they kind of. Are able to take a bit of a step this year. I mean, they they played well last year, in USL, which is a higher level. So you kind of, kind of want to see them start to maybe dominate this more developmental league, because um, those are all guys that I think the the first team definitely has their on. And was was Campbell one of the guys that got a first team contract last year? I actually can't. Hmm. I'm. Uh... I
0: don't I think, think so, have, but I know. No? I think he was one of the players who was uh, on the bench during that uh, Champions League game earlier in the yeah. season. There was a bunch of them. That <laughs> yeah, they
1: that were, I, yeah were,
0: yeah. So, well, so, yeah, I was just going to say that kind of shows the, the depth thing is, you know, that was a couple of weeks ago and only, yeah. only a couple signings uh, away from that, that roster.
1: Yeah, they only had like two injuries or three or so at the time and all of a sudden you have multiple guys on your bench who don't even have MLS contracts mm-hmm. um, but yeah no there, there's a lot of there are a lot of names down TFZ Gideon uh, Waja is another one that um, the club seems to be pretty high on he kind of came over from, from Ghana I believe yeah 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 know, he, uh, he he's done done pretty well I mean you've got you've got new guys coming into the as well, you've got a 14-year-old and Shaquille Marshall ready, so I guess we'll we'll see if he's able to, to get any kind of significant minutes for the team. That'll be really interesting. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's there are names that the club are kind of keeping their eye on. I think most of the guys that are closer to being MLS ready are not necessarily with TFC2. They're out on loans at mm-hmm. with a couple guys out in Ottawa or Brian Telfer at York nine. Um, But there are, there are a few of the younger guys. I think the club is definitely trying to keep a closer watch on by keeping them in the system.
0: Yeah, for sure. It'll be, it'll be interesting to see how they use this as a developmental tool in terms of, uh, you know, which guys maybe show themselves to be a little bit too, too good for that level and, and what they decide to do with those players, especially in light of, like we said, um, the fact that they might want some of those players in the, in the lineup should, uh, uh, you know, especially over the summer, and, and should something go wrong in terms of injuries. So um, uh, I guess the, the, you can put some kind of out clauses in, in all the loans, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they do with kind of that that middle player that maybe isn't good enough to, to be getting those consistent minutes at the MLS level, but um, is too good for, for League One. We've already seen, like you said, Ottawa Fury pick up a couple of players, the, the York Nine route, which is one I hope. Kind of to see a little bit more in terms of uh, Toronto FC finding some some good campial situations for for some of their some of those players. It, it'll be very interesting to see for sure as this uh, as they kind of experiment with this new uh, league for Toronto FC too. Um, let's move on to uh, tomorrow's game. Toronto obviously looking to to continue what's been a very impressive start to the season and an unexpectedly impressive start to the season and uh, once again like you said maybe not the most difficult test in the Chicago Fire, um, they did bring in Nicholas Guytan who's who's. You know, supposed to be one of their one of their top players, a a player that uh, people know from his time with Atletico uh, Madrid and and a very solid attacking player. Um, I I think one of the potentially better signings of the off season in MLS. We'll see. He's a little bit older, um, but but a player that could still be very dynamic in MLS. So uh, there's an opportunity there for for him to kind of uh, you know set the tone for for his career. Uh, in MLS, kind of the way with the way Alejandro Pozuelo was able to do at BMO Field, um, but what can we expect from from the Chicago Fire and, and from this game? Kind of an opportunity for Toronto FC to uh, get off to an unprecedented start in the MLS uh, in an MLS season.
1: Yeah, I mean Chicago's record to start the season isn't that great. They've got a win and a draw from four games, but I mean you look at their their schedule and they have had much tougher competition than TFC have had. Like, they started the season in L.A. to play the Galaxy, and they lost there. And I mean, they lost at home to the Seattle Sounders, who are another top team in the league this year. But, I mean, last weekend they they managed to beat the New York Red Bulls and hold, a, hold them down to a clean sheet, which was uh, a pretty good game. I mean, they got they got Guy Tendon in there for about half an hour of play as well, so he should be... I believe the the idea is for him to be able to start this weekend. Um and I mean you the team you do look at the Chicago lineup and I mean you think that it's maybe not terrifying, but there's a lot of talented players on that team. I mean they're getting a little bit older, so you can probably outrun them a little bit, but like there are there are a lot of players on that team that you you look at and you think you they've made a pretty big impact in this league throughout most of their career here. And I mean, but the Chicago Fire always seemed to have the same kind of story the last couple of seasons <laughs> where they uh, look all right on paper. They can't put it together. They can't really defend that well. Um, I mean, they they conceded four to Seattle a couple of weeks ago, so I don't know if they've really completely sorted that out yet but I mean they definitely have players who can take over a game if they absolutely need to And I mean I think I think we'll kind of have to see if they're able to able to kind of put it together if they able if they're able to get Nico Gaitan into into the setup they want him to be in on on Saturday.
0: Yeah, and unfortunately, uh, some tough news with Raheem Edwards, obviously the former Toronto FC player and Canadian uh, men's national team player. He'll be out six weeks. He had just scored, actually, in in one of his few games uh, with the Chicago Fire recently, so it seemed like he was headed in the right direction, but um, an injury, so he'll be out for, for a little bit, and that definitely hurts uh, You know, any opportunity for him to uh, get himself back into the Canadian men's national team picture ahead of this summer's Gold Cup uh Remains a, a bit of a sad story with just how bright his development looked for a little bit there, but um, he definitely has all the skill to turn it around at some point. Um, so certainly, yeah, going to be an interesting test for Toronto FC and, and you know a rare game of late that they'll probably be favored in um, in terms of you know what they've done to start the season compared to Chicago. So it'll be interesting to see how they how they you know approach that game. I guess in light of one of the more dominant dominating performances as well so uh definitely going to be looking forward to that let's uh just wrap up here quickly with uh some talk about the canadian Premier league and finally we got to see the uh kits the clubs will be wearing um for this upcoming season with macron an event last night they revealed all of the kits um I, i think you know in terms of general opinion there really isn't a bad kit, which is a major positive, I know. Uh, usually, it always seems like one or two clubs in the Premier League or in a year will just have a, an off kit. But, um, you know, there's certainly some okay kits that I don't love. But I think, in general, Macron uh, did a pretty solid job on these uh, in terms of all the little details and stuff. I was pretty impressed.
1: Yeah, I mean, the, the first thing that kind of leaps out to me is they don't have a single plain white kit. So, I mean, I yeah. could certainly stand to learn something from that. Um, they're definitely all interesting. I mean, Calgary has got a camo away kit, which is interesting. I guess we'll have to see how that looks on the field. Um, but it's definitely they're definitely all really, pretty unique. Um, and they, they haven't been kind of afraid to take some some kind of strange risks as some colors around the place. they have got some other weird kind of neckline things going on. I think my favorite setup for a single team has got to be the Pacific one. they got the yeah. kind of tie dye light blue one. And they've got the sort of vaguely two-toned purple one.
0: Yeah. I think I was always going to love that one just because the, uh, the color scheme that Pacific yeah. has is, is so cool. And, uh, yeah, that's certainly one that stands out to me. That the the camo one's interesting, like you said. It's it almost for me is a slightly better Seattle Sounders kit in terms of the weird like yeah. paint design they they tried to do there. Yeah, they got um, some weird. Yeah, I certainly. Uh, I don't know if I love that kit. I also don't necessarily love the uh, the York Nine uh, kits as well. I, I mean, the Away's is pretty good, but I don't I don't really love the home, but. Which uh, those uh, are probably.
1: Which one are we? the The white one is the home one,
0: right? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's not my favorite kit, but um, yeah, I think they generally did a pretty good job. I like the FC Edmonton one as well. That's kind of pinstripes on it. Yeah. Looks, kind of reminds me of a Yankees uh, jersey, which kind of adds some class. But yeah, there's a bunch of little details too that I definitely like on these kits. So hats off to to Macron for sure.
1: Yeah, they're all they're all pretty interesting. I mean, every club's kind of got their own pretty unique set of colors. I mean, there is that, the one Halifax kit, which kind of kind of resembles one of the Pacific ones. But other than that, we've got a lot of really, really unique kits. I mean, they'll be able to kind of build off these initial designs pretty well if they're, when they're making kits for for success, successive years. Um, so it's definitely a really, really interesting place for them to start with.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, it just just builds the excitement, you know. Now we know where these clubs are going to be playing, we know what they'll be wearing, and we know most of the players on the on the teams and we know the schedule as well. So, uh it seems like th- this for me was kind of the I guess other than where we're going to be watching the games in terms of streaming and and on TV, uh this was kind of the the final thing I really wanted to see, so uh, very much excited for for the end of the month and, and that opening game. Uh, definitely looking forward to that for sure. Uh, let's let's wrap up the show there. Uh, we'll have plenty more to talk about, I'm sure, in terms of the the Chicago Fire game and and more about Toronto FC on next week's show. But uh, uh, thanks for joining me, Charlie.
1: No problem. Thank you for having
0: me. on And thanks everyone for listening. Don't forget to. Leave us a rating and review on iTunes if you haven't already, and have a good weekend.